Welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast today, and we cannot wait for this episode uh, with Luann Naguera. She was willing to come on uh, despite her super busy schedule uh, back east, and I know a lot of our listeners actually requested that we have her on to share some business expertise. So definitely listen to this entire episode. She shared some amazing knowledge about how to better your business, how to uh, be a better entrepreneur, and especially if you're a small outfitter boutique firm. And a little background on Luann. She is the co-owner of Window Works, which is a window treatment and awning retailer located in New Jersey. She's the author of two books, The Making of a Well-Designed Business for Entrepreneurs Committed to Opening a Profitable Business, and also A Well-Designed Business, which is the Power to Talk Friday Experts, which focuses on business management for the interior design entrepreneur. She also has her own podcast, A Well-Designed Business, named in Architectural Digest as a favorite by interior designers and is the number one rated podcast in the design industry. She is super engaging and energetic. And again, stay tuned for her advice. Welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. And as mentioned, we are super excited today to have Luann Nigera with us today. So welcome, Luann. Hi, Brad. Thanks so much for having me on your show. You are a busy lady, and we are super excited you made time. And as I mentioned, as we were speaking before the podcast, you know, so many of my listeners had listened to the outro of my last podcast, and we're just thrilled to hear that you were coming on. So thank you for making time in your busy schedule. That's exciting. I, that's so cool. I can't wait to tell all of the rest of my listeners about your podcast. If I <laughs> already know that some of the designers are listening and getting value, that's just like easy now for me to share it out. So I'm looking forward to telling everybody. Well, I think that way is where we're very like-minded, right? I, you know, it's all about bringing value and we mentioned this and what I really like about what you're doing is here I'm in Scottsdale, you know, you're based in New Jersey, back East, and you have all these listeners in Scottsdale and Phoenix that have told me, Brad, we listen to every episode that Luann shares because it's really changed our business. So kudos to you for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, we were connected because Jenny Slingerlin from Black Ink Interior said the same about you. She said that she listens to your show religiously and that she loves it. And of course, she has the opportunity and the privilege to work with you in building homes. And she has nothing but great things to say about you. And that's what I said to you in the email. Like, if Jenny loves you, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, Luann. Well, I, I want to dive into this because I know uh, you just have so much to share and we're going to try to get as much content out there. So uh, one of my first questions for you was, you know, many of us operate a small business such as myself. So how would you recommend to set systems in place for a small company? Well, the thing is, there is no easy way to do it. So you have to just l- literally take apart every single part of your business and create the system for it. And the thing that what I try and describe, it's so funny, I had an interesting um little ex- exercise that happened at Windowworks just in the beginning of the year. We had decided that we should revise our job description for our installers. And we have um, a new lead installer. We were promoting him and we thought that this would be a good time. We hadn't looked at the document in many years and we thought this would be a good time to revisit that document. So I asked him and my partner who is in charge of the installers to do their job description for the installer and to put out what the responsibilities are. And it was really funny because of course, you know, they, their intention was well made, but I looked at it. I'm like, guys, this does not have near the detail. And there, so it was simple things like, you know, get your paperwork in the morning. And I'm like, right, but don't we first come to work in clean window works attire? Don't we then clock in? Don't we then get our paperwork? Don't we then review it with the showroom administrator? Then don't we you know, load our truck. Right. It was like, there was like, they were like, first thing, get your paperwork. And that's the kind of like finite breakdown that you really need. And the only way to approach it, Brad, in my experience is to just do it like very in a bubble task by task. How do we answer the phone in our company? How do we capture a lead in our company? How do we enter information into our CRM? How do we schedule an installation with our company? Like you don't realize scheduling an installation with um, a consumer might have six steps to it, right? I mean, you can't just say schedule install. Well, how do you do that, right? This is fascinating. I, you know, you're saying some points now as I'm you know, just thinking through our company. And it, it, it's funny, it reminds me, when I was in college, I was taking a, uh, part of my English class, and one of our 
uh, projects was we had to give directions, right? Mm. Uh, all of us have, you know, bought something from Ikea or something. So there's direction. And we're like, this is so hard to follow sometimes, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, and so when you're writing it yourself, you realize it's a lot more difficult to explain, even though you know yeah. the people that don't know what they don't know. And kind of you're talking about this, that at least get something on paper that you can then edit and refine and tune up, you know, throughout each and every day. Right. Because the thing about it is, is, is that if it was one thing for these last several, you know, almost four decades that my partner has been charged with managing the installation team. But now that we were promoting this other installer and expecting him to do it, this was why we decided to get very clear on the exact process for an installer from how does he come to work to how does he execute his job to how does he empty his truck to how does he manage his tools and how does he do everything because how can we expect Carlos this new promotion to do it with excellence if we haven't enunciated the steps for him and so that's why it was like even us 40 years in business it was like okay let's make this a better process because now that it is completely this blown out process with every little detail carlos can easily use this document to train and manage the people under him and then by by turn i can usually i can easily use this document to monitor Carlos's performance in managing their performance. Whereas if it's just like, hey, you know, you're an installer, you know, good, good installs, completed installs means you're doing good work. It's too vague. And, and so what happens is, is that as a business, the value of doing this is twofold. It's not only do you get the clarity for everybody on your team and they know everyone knows exactly the way in our case, window works executes an installation. Now what happens is I can know with confidence that not only Billy, my partner, but Carlos, our lead and the three guys behind him are all going to do it. The window works way because we have declared what the window works way is. And now I have some confidence that when my whole team is out there, that they're performing in the way that myself, my husband and Billy have decided is the way we do it. And so that's valuable because that creates our reputation that, 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 that cements our reputation, but it gives us a way to monitor and track their performance. But also too, I say to mature business owners, when you have all of this together and every system is enunciated in black and white, now you have something to sell. You don't have a, you, you have a business, right? Luann, this is phenomenal advice. I think uh, to your point, I mean, you said a couple of things, the window works way, right? And so mm -hmm. there's a brand. So so whether it's you or someone in the company that's selling, you know, the experience of window works, of your company values, of the product, um, th this is a way to make sure that all the way down the line that there's consistency in that brand and it's executed. And you know, and I think that's the hardest thing for us small business owners to do. You know, we, as we're growing, there's the pains of growth. And so, you know, as we apply that, you know, from uh, maybe a designer, you know, who's running a small design firm or a contractor, um, you, you, are there different ways that we could apply that, you know, to the systems, whether, you know, for building, you know, how our superintendents take a call, you know, and are communicating with the sub or documenting that, you know, any advice from a design firm from your experience that you have? Well, the thing about it is, is the advice is the same, whether you are making cupcakes, building houses or designing homes or providing custom window treatments and awnings, right? It's literally just face it, that it is painful, it is difficult, it is time consuming, it is hard to do. But once you do it, it's done. And so, you know, it's interesting because I had a guest on my show a couple of years ago at this point, her name is Darcy Heather. And she had heard us for a year talking about, you have to do it, you have to do it, you have to do it. And then one, one of my guests suggested that you simply just put two hours aside each week to work on this one project, which is documenting every process in your business. Because so many of us know how we do something, but we've never sat down to write the steps, right? And so that's the point. Um, and so what she heard was put two hours aside a week and Darcy did it. And she came on my show 
And she explained that what was very freeing for her was that it was scheduled every week for two hours. And the reason that it was freeing is because sometimes when she might have been working on her mission statement, she said, you know, the first time I sat down to work on my mission statement, she said, I think I really just looked at the computer and the blank page for the first 45 minutes. And she said, and right. It was just like, well, what is my mission? Then she said, she started putting things down and she wasn't happy with it. And she was running in circles. But when the two hours was up, she stopped and she just stood up and she knew that she would come back the following week at that same time spot. And then when she sat down the following week with the little bit of, you know, bare bones that she had put down the week before. Now she said, when I sat down, it was like, I just sat down and started working on it. And other times she said, when the process and the system I was breaking down and, 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 um, um, writing down at that particular time might've been like the installation process, the reveal process for a designer. I mean, there's a gabillion steps in that process. You're not going to write that down in two hours. Right. But she said, what was so freeing was Whatever she had done in two hours, she stood up and walked away. It didn't encroach on. She didn't miss an appointment. She didn't, you know, have to change her day because let me just stay and finish it. She knew that she had put it in for every Tuesday for the full year. And she said, I'm eventually going to get it all done. And she called me the year later and she said, I'd love to share it on the show. And we did. And so that's the thing. The year is going to pass. If you've been in business two years, 20 years, and you haven't done it, the next year is going to go go by. So just block it out and do it and face the music, right? I, I think that's great advice because all of us, we all deal with the same issue. There's only so much time. That's our value. That's our resource. And so side time and maybe we turn off the phone put it on airplane mode or we have the computer you know do not disturb but but what you're speaking to is that there's value if you're spending two hours a week um, to process and you may have writer's block like you mentioned right where <laughs> you sit down and at that two hours you might not have all the answers but you know just having that window uh, to refine that and you know and you sharing that really shows internally on my side although we've tried to develop systems we are nowhere where we need to be and that two hours that we could have as a company. Because uh, one thing we've done is, you know, construction is a very tedious process and, and it's it's long. It's, you know, 12 mm. months, 16 months on, on cases. And so we've sat down with our team and regularly once a month we sit down and we figure out, okay, um, let, if we're doing a hillside custom home, what are the steps, right? What's the first step, you know, survey and footings and retaining walls and grading and there's all these different phases and so we have an ongoing template that's refined and in essence that's what you're doing mm -hmm. on, on on a micro level that every right. little system is documented and mm -hmm. and i can see that's why you have 39 years of tremendous experience land because this is something that you've taught and enforced and are helping someone like myself um so so now that those systems are in place and we've spent two hours you know a week and we're building this you know, how have you seen, how, how has that focus changed your business to not deviate from those? Well, the thing is, the first of all, you know, I have a friend, Judith Neary, who's a recurring guest on my show, and she says, you know, there's going to be mistakes because humans are involved. So, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> this is your ideal. It's what you go for. If it's documented, at least you know what you're going for. But there's no way that it is a stagnant document, and there's no way that you don't end up with mistakes. But the really cool thing that I have learned, because I will share with you and I've shared with my audience, I am not a systems girl. I am the person that if, you know, in the beginning, the first five, eight, 10 years of our business, if someone was out of our system, eight out of 10 times, it was going to be me. You know, I am <laughs> as creative as every designer in my audience is. And I struggle with it as much as every single one who does struggle with it. I, you, you cannot struggle with it more than me. I promise you. Okay. <laughs> you cannot. All right. Um, but the thing is, is that what I learned through painful trial and error is that when you are in the system, you much, you have a much greater chance of creating a great outcome on the first time. Right. And, and anytime there has been a poor outcome, almost to a time, you can go back and look and see, ah, 
I missed that step there. I didn't make that extra time to have the expectations conversation, or I didn't clarify that with the workroom there, or I didn't make the extra phone call to the trade to make sure he showed, he showed up. I saw that I didn't have an email confirmation, but he's normally reliable. So I let it go. But guess what? He never did get that email. And now the homeowner's mad, my guy's mad, I'm mad, everybody's mad, right? And so the fact is that it's not perfect, but you can't even strive for an uh, excellent outcome if you haven't documented what it is, right? Like, you know, and how can you manage and lead your team? You can't say, well, you should have known that. It's like, no, did I teach it to you? And I just want to say one other thing is so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the other thing just in the process of doing it, because that is the really hard part is to actually first document it is you can and should task your team with doing it. So like I did task my installers and I got their big broad strokes and then I filled in and then we went back and we talked about it again. But other times I have literally taught someone a process and I've said to them, okay, do you, you know, we walk through it, you know, there's, we have to, we have to check in fabric in our business. So we're getting literally eight, 10, 15 bolts of fabric a day from the different interior designers that we work with. So there's a process for checking that in. It's not rocket science. It's on a piece of paper. There's nothing fancy about it. There's no technology involved. It has maybe five steps to it. So when I teach somebody new in our company how to do that, the thing I say to them is now write the process down for me. And by writing it down, they not only learn it better, but the next day when I say, oh, there's more fabrics to be checked in, I don't have to say, even if they're only with my company two days, okay, let's go through it again and make sure you remember all the steps. I'm like, I checked what you wrote down. Those steps are right. Take your piece of paper, go check in fabric again. And I don't have to train her five days in a row on a quote unquote simple process, but one that's very critical that it be handled the right way. Right. Yeah, it's super valuable. So, I mean, it's almost that uh, saying we've all heard, like you're teaching someone how to teach others how to fish by them writing down, you know, they're they're showcasing that they've actually learned the skill, learned the process, and now they can apply it and where you have the confidence to now go be more more effective, building the company, building the vision because they can do this without having to be micromanaged. Right. And even as a new employee, she has her built in cheat sheet from day two. Like she doesn't have to come to me and say, I don't remember how to do the fabric log. Right. It's like, Ah. boom, we're both moving on. You she feels empowered because day two, she can complete a task with excellence. And I'm doing something else while she's doing that. Well, well, what I love about that, and you touched on something else I want to go into because, and, and maybe this is to ask your advice with this, but you, you had talked about expectations. And, and one of the questions we often get from a lot of our listeners and even all of us is, you know, a lot of times when there's a fallout in communication on any project, whether you're a designer, builder, whether you're a supplier, manufacturer, is the expectation of what did we not communicate properly to our client, you know? Uh, and, and so in regard to expectation, are you tracking, you know, maybe where you've had fallouts or breakdowns of communication and keeping a running list so that as you're selling product or selling a job that you're clarifying, you know, all the ins and outs that go in with that? Well, I would say that I can, I, I have never tracked it as a written document, right? So, but as one of the primary salespeople for our business for all these years, um, you know, first of all, look, I love sales. This is my jam. You know, I, I just, <laughs> for me, I love thinking about it. I love analyzing it. I love understanding how saying one sentence in a certain way produces a reaction or result different from saying it in a different way. And so maybe I've paid a lot more attention to it innately because it's my interest, right? So it's almost like if you have an interest in baseball, you might know more about just the everything about, you know, the baseball league as opposed to the football league, because you're just passionate about baseball. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have a little leg up there because I'm passionate about sales and the, and the process of it. Um, how I would track it if I wanted to, 
to, to somebody to teach it and learn it. I don't know that I, I that's an, a new concept for me. I hadn't ever thought about that before, but I think what it is, is I always recommend that the designers do an autopsy at the end of every project, take stock of what went right, what went right and what did not go right. And really identify not just oh, the customer was picky, you know, the client was picky or the client was indecisive. Well, how could you have changed that? What would you have done? If you sit here with the crystal ball now at the end of the project, what could you have done? And of course, I taking it to your question about the sales process, I do have that conversation with myself every time I'm in a sales position. Every single time I'm in a consultation that I either end with a check or I don't end with a check. I review it as I'm driving back and I'm thinking to myself, okay, did I miss any cues? You know, was there a place I should have leaned in a little harder? Was there a place I should have, you know, asked another question? Did I ask enough questions? Did I learn enough information? Why didn't I close it? You know what I'm saying? So I mm -hmm. think it's just a constant evaluation of your own performance and your goals for each individual meeting that you have. Well, I think that's tremendous insight. I mean, taking an inventory or autopsy of the project, I, you know, there's a lot of value. I'm just thinking back to a recent project we closed and, you know, had, you know, that's something where we could sit down with, uh, you know, sales, you know, where I'm at the front end, we could sit down with our project coordinator and our superintendent project manager and talk about, okay, here were the things that we did wrong, the things we did right. And here's where we could have communicated or over communicated or set that expectation. So then now that becomes applied for the next project. Exactly. And that's where and I mentioned earlier how your processes and your documented procedures is a living, breathing document, because every time you have this autopsy and you go through and you're like, huh, that that, you know, back in that part of the project, that was really, really difficult. And what could have changed there? What could we have done? And then sometimes, you know, sometimes it's, it was a simple phone call or it was a simple, you know, mistake in communication within the team. But beyond that, how would we not have that miscommunication in the team next time? Do we need another layer in there? Do we need another check in there? Do we need another system in there? Or did we miss a system that was in place? So that's what your evaluation is at the end. Did what we have as our process work and we went outside of it or does our process need another system? You know, I have this thing in my, we just, I said it recently on the show about two months ago, I says, you know, the end of the last year, I, um, you know, was sitting in our Monday morning meeting and it was the third Monday in a row where it sounded like to me that our team was dealing with the same problem, different customer, same problem. And I just said, okay, what would you, can we just stop the train right here? This is the same problem. What are we missing? What are we, why do we have to keep having the same problem and just talk about that as an individual one-off? There's something bigger picture that we need to identify. And what is the process that we're going to put in place? Do we need another check between the, the, installer and the admin, you know, the showroom admin, do we need something between the salesperson and the installer? And we all talked about it and we decided that now going forward, it was a non-negotiable that every salesperson, when they turn in an order for a window treatment and awning must also turn in a picture of the project. Like before that, it was like, well, if you think you need it, if you think the installer would need it, or you think it's a hard install. But what we were finding is that the installers three times coincidentally in a row in a week, were finding things about the project that the salesperson just not out of negligence, just out of not knowing didn't know it was important for them to know. So then we're like, okay, new rule, non-negotiable. You turn in your order, it better have a picture attached. So, you know. Yes, and the only way, and, that, and that's such great advice because the only way to really decipher that is if you're being accountable to each other and setting those systems in place and then doing the autopsy, right? Doing the meeting yes. where you're following up and addressing these items. Because that's something I've, I've realized you've mentioned a lot, Luann, in all of your advice and podcasts. I mean, you talk about systems for systems. And <laughs> in essence, that's what that is, right? You have a macro right. level and a micro level. Exactly. That's exactly right. The systems have systems. That's exactly right. The system is we, you know, we're going to install a drape. 
but the systems within the systems are, you know, where is draper hardware coming? Who checked it? Do we have enough rings? Do we have enough brackets? You know, where, you know, where's the fabric coming from? Was the fabric log used? Was, you know, the work order done? Did three people see the work order before we sent it to the workroom? You know, what was the confirmation checked? Was the invoice checked? I mean, the systems have systems. I, I love that. And <laughs> and one of the sayings, you know, as we uh, divert the conversation a little bit, you know, you had talked about um, an experience you had on Facebook, you know, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everyone had recommended you and, you know, someone had called and said, you really have great reviews. And people talked about how polite your installers are, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but, um, you know, what was your response to that caller? Yeah. So what happened was when I met with her in the house, we finally get to the shop at home appointment and she was quizzing me. She was testing my window treatment knowledge because she had had another person in and had done a window treatment in, in their master bath and she wasn't happy with the outcome. So she basically starts our meeting with, I don't like this window treatment. It costs me a lot of money. I don't think it looks good. What would you do to make it look better? And so I, you know, ended up sharing my opinions on it. And she had shared with me how expensive the fabric was something like $300 a yard. And so I'm thinking, we're not just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater here if we can help it. Mm -hmm. And so I come up with a solution that I thought would utilize what she had, but improve it. And you could see she was visibly like, hmm, okay. So then she says, okay, come into my master bedroom. What would you do here? And it happened to be an insanely difficult set of windows in the master bedroom. And I end up, I, for me though, I got to know what are all your needs. And so as the salesperson, I'm asking her, you know, do you like to sleep in the dark vampire dark, Las Vegas dark? Like what kind of dark are we talking about? And <laughs> right. you know, all of this stuff. And do you need, you want to operate it from your bed? You want it motorized? Do you have blah, 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 blah. So I asked her 9,000 questions and I said, well, I think given all of the things that you're interested in, I would recommend X, Y, Z. And she says, well, the other company thought I should do this. And so I pointed out very kindly, I said, well, if your objective, your number one objective, which we established was such and such, that treatment isn't going to provide you with that. That treatment that this company suggested is going to be very beautiful, but it's not going to be, it's not going to serve your number one function objective. So which do we want to give up? Okay, fine. So basically what she did was she super quizzed me and now she's happy with me. And what happens is she looks at me now and she says, okay, so what's the next steps? And I said, well, the next step would be that I would gather some, you know, fabrics and so forth, create some proposals for you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, um, you know what? I'm going to take the next step with you. And I said, that's great. And she said, you know, I, I got your name from the Facebook group in town. And I said, oh, oh, really? I said, oh, which one? And she told me which one. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's such a great group. It's not a group that I'm allowed to be in. It's okay. It's a private group. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's such a great group. She goes, yeah, you know, a lot of people um, had a lot of good things to say about you in the group. I'm like, they did. Oh, my goodness, that's so great. I said, <laughs> you know, um, and she goes, but, you know, not everybody did. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I mean, I put in there looking for custom window treatments. Who do you suggest? And she said, and literally in not 10 minutes, at least 20 people were like, go to Window Works, go to that place on Living on Northfield Road, go to the place across from the bagel place. I don't know where it is. Her name is Luann. Call her, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, that's outstanding. And she said, yeah, but, you know, not everybody suggested that I go to you. Some people had negative things to say. And I said, and what were the things? And she said, well, they, a couple of people said you're expensive. And I just looked at her. I said, really? And she said, yeah. And I said, so tell me a little bit more about when the people who suggested that you call Window Works, did they give you reasons why? And she said, oh, yeah. She goes, oh, my goodness. You know, and I said, well, share with me some of those reasons. And she said, oh, well. A couple of people said that you've been in business for over three decades. Somebody said your family owned and operated, same owners from beginning till now. Other people talked about how if you have an appointment with this company, they are either either there or you get a phone call. Another person went into this big story about how your installer has two sets of sneakers. It was pouring rain. Every time he went out (laughs) to the truck, he put on one pair of sneakers. Every time he got into my house, he put on another pair of sneakers. And I just looked at her. I said, did you want to give all that up for a lower price? And she just stared that at me. That is she phenomenal. Said, yeah, yeah. She just was like, no, okay, let's take the next steps. I'm like, okay, let's take the next steps. <laughs> so, so I love that. Honestly, Luann, that's probably my favorite story of all time because I think the <laughs> difficulty is how do you convey and, – and you were so uh, strategic, right, in dissecting – 
yes. you know, finding that, that doubt and resolving it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how have you refined that skill? Cause you talked about how much you love sales and you could just tell through that experience that you are really good at communicating through doubt and concern. So how have you learned to refine that over the years and to vet customers? Cause not everyone's a fit. Right, right. Well, the thing is, is that it really does start with very careful, intentional listening. Um, You really do have to, you know, it's funny because I teach a sales uh, for creatives course and one module is take your client at their word. And the other module is don't take your client at their word. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but we have to start with taking our client at their word. And I'll give you an example. I was in a coaching session just this week. And the designer that I was coaching, she says to me, I have a dilemma. She said, I have a referral to a a client of mine that I've done two full service luxury projects for her before has uh, reached out and said her, her daughter and son-in-law have bought, uh, are building a brand new home. And she said, I'm referred you to them. So this, the, the client, the designer's fab, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the daughter reaches out and basically sends a text saying, Hey, I know you've worked with my mom before. I'd love to work with you too. The only thing I really need though, is, um, a list of the furniture and the sizes that they should be. I'll do all the shopping myself. And so, of course, every designer listening just went, "Ah," you know, like, oh, my God. Right. And so but the interesting thing is, is that my coaching client, my designer client, she follows this up and says to me, so I'm wondering if I should think about having her purchase furniture in this model or this model. And I'm thinking that if I do that, then I can salvage some of the profit that I should get on this job. And I just came right back between the eyes and I'm like. I think she made it pretty clear that she's going to do the shopping on her own. And so she's like, right, but how am I going to make money? I said, the thing is, let's figure out, A, do you want the client, right? Do you? Mm-hmm. And B, if you do want the client, let's figure out how you make money serving her with the needs that she has given you. We don't, you know, I said, what you want to do is I, this is like you walked into a restaurant and they, you said, I'll take a hamburger and fries. And somebody comes over, says, well, I, here's the hamburger and fries, but there's a steak too. And you're like, I don't want a steak. I didn't ask for steak. I didn't pay for steak. I'm not paying for your steak. Take the steak away. Like you can't deliver more yet. Right. And I said, so my thing is, is I think we want this client, even though this job is not your wheelhouse, your full service luxury. But I think we want this client, in my opinion, because this is the daughter of a good client. This girl at this point in her life is building a house probably with the last dime that she has, might probably has small children and realizes she's not going to make the investment that her mother made. But in five or eight or 10 years, she probably will. And who is she going to call? She wants to call her mom's designer. She wants to call you, but we got to service her now. I said, so just meet her where she is. I said, what would it take to do a floor plan? What would it take you an hour to do a floor plan and give a list of one sofa at 90 by 35, one rug at nine by 12, two end tables, get a round cocktail table, get a rectangle cocktail table, get this and that and give her the list. I said, what would she goes, it'd probably take me an hour and a half. Great. Put $895 price tag on it and sell it to her. Be done. You know, be done and then let her be happy with your service and let her come back to you for more when she's ready for more. But you got to start by listening. Well, I think really what you're doing there and you've given some really sound advice, Luann, is, you know, and I want to touch on that because you kind of you you touch on the emotion of it in the sense that, hey, this may not be um, a huge project and net worth, but I could still bring value to the client. I could do this, charge them eight hundred dollars for the layout. But even more than that, you, you know, you talk you spoke about return on investment, ROI. You spoke about a lost leader that sometimes, right. whether it be through a relationship or a lost leader or something, you know that this project may catapult your company into a different hemisphere. And, and we've done that where we've taken a project that we know probably wasn't the biggest return for us, but it was to put us in a community that we want to be associated with, right? And mm-hmm. so it, it puts you at a different caliber where now, as you mentioned, some of these clients, they've had such a good experience that now, five years from now, when they do have the budget and they're more seasoned, now you can come in and really perform for them. Right. And I think the big distinction, especially in the conversations that I have with the designers, is that 
most most often the knee-jerk reaction from the part of the designer with a request like that is to push and pull and tug and try and convey to that client, that potential client, that full service is the way to go. But you have to just meet them where they are and give them a price for what they want. Now, you don't have to. You can say no. If this was a blind internet inquiry, I might have been more likely to counsel this designer. I've said, look, if you don't want to do it, we don't have to do it. We don't have to do it. You don't have to take an hour and a half. You don't have to make it here $95. You can say no, but this is a different thing. This is a referral from an existing client who knows her value, knows her process, knows full service design, but the daughter just isn't at that moment yet, right? And so my thing was, is just do it on your terms. You don't like, you don't pretend that this is going to be full service and you're pushing and pulling and she doesn't understand your value, but when you give her what she wants, make it your worthwhile for you to do it. You don't do it for $200. You do it for $895. And if she doesn't like it for $895, then you don't have to say yes. You can say, you know what? Maybe you should call the designer at the local showroom and let them help you, right? Um, mm -hmm. But the thing is, and just to round that story out, because what she heard in her head was she said, okay, if I do this, what I can see happening is, you know, now here I am. I'm in the middle of my workday and I'm getting texts like this sofa or that sofa when that wasn't part of the scope. And I said, great thought. So here's what you do. When you send her the proposal, one room is 895. Every other room you want to do, if you do them all at the same time, is 695. I'm making numbers up. You know what, right, I, what yeah. I'm going to charge for this, right? It's 695. I said, then what you do is at the end of the email, you say, and I just want to offer one other level of service to you that you might be interested in thinking about. In my experience, when you go and do your own shopping, you're going to be faced with situations where is it this sofa or that sofa? Is it this rug or that rug? And I want you to know there's a way I can help you with that as well. Take your pictures all day long while you're shopping. At the end of the day, you email me, you're this or that. And what I have is I have a block of five hours that costs a thousand dollars and you will be able to use those at will when you have the, this or that conversations. And I will just keep track of when we use those hours and when, you know, this will get you through your entire project. And if you need more hours, you can always buy them. But what I said to her is we're setting up the expectation here that guess what? Just because you buy this 895 package for me, you don't get to do this and that with me all day. That's number one expectation that that comes with a price tag. You can pay extra to have it. It doesn't come with the package that you bought because remember you didn't want full service design. So number one, we set the expectation that this or that questions, even if they are text cost more money. The other thing is when we, this is that nuance of that language. When we say, Hey, and in my experience, this, this happens, this or that. And the way you should really handle it is purchase my package of five hours, collect all your pictures during the day. And in the evening, send me the email. So that says in a nice way up front, you're not, you know, blowing up my phone at two o'clock in the afternoon, standing in line going, I need to know now this <laughs> or that right? You're telling them the process is collect your pictures, email me to every night, whenever it happens. And the next day I will answer all of your questions. And I said, and this way too, if she doesn't opt to buy the hours package with the the floor plan package, guess what? She doesn't get to text you this or that. And you didn't have the conversation in the middle of the this or that text. Like, oh my goodness, she's asking me for this or that and I, I'm not getting paid for it. It's like you set the expectations up front. This is the rules. This is how we play the game. You can play, I can play, or we can decide not to play together. Luann, I, I almost want to scream. I think you've solved every small <laughs> business problem right here. <laughs> you know, just as a takeaway, I that that you know, that expertise is so valuable because what you've done and instructed is that, you know, you've talked about to properly vet, you know, it's so important to intentionally listen, you know, and then ask the right questions. And then the reality is you do it on your own terms. And it's, I, I couldn't even take notes fast enough as you were talking. Right. Um, but, I, but I love just the clarification and this is almost a drawback to why you're so adamant about systems and expectations, because what you've done is almost solved not only the current demand by this potential client, but you've also solved a concern or doubt that will come up at some point with this alterated game plan, right? And, right. and so you've set a, a process and a fee structure and, uh, you know, where it's super easy for the customer when they're aligned, they're not panicked. They say, oh, I can take 
phase two of the proposal, and then I can figure this out. And I think that is just such sound advice um, for everybody listening. Yeah, I have this thing I always say, know what you will do and what you will not do. And so, you know, when you have this sort of unusual request, it does start with, do I want to do it? Is there a reason for me to do it? And I, as I shared, I thought in this situation, there was very good reasons to take this sort of project, even though it was very different from her typical. But then once I decide that, yes, there's a reason to do it. Now, I like to your point, we set it up so that we're good with it. We're not feeling like I'm doing this and I'm getting taken advantage of, or I'm doing this at too little money. It's like, once you come to clarity, like, okay, I'm going to do a floor plan and list all the furniture. And we're not talking about specific. There's no shopping. There's no like mood board here. This is just size of rugs, size of tables, how many lamps, like a grocery list, right? It's cereal. It's not special K. It's cereal. You go figure out what kind of cereal you want. I'm just telling you, you need cereal, right? But once you do that and you set the price, then just you're all the drama is gone. If the person accepts the proposal, great, you made your money. If they don't, you could say, oh, I'm so sorry. That's really the package that I have to offer for this level service. And you know how much I value your mom and I've worked with her so much, but it's okay if you're not prepared to make this investment at this time. I understand. It's okay. Like you see, like, like you're not yeah. like, you know, like it, you let her off the hook. It's okay. I understand. Yeah, I love that. And and that's such good advice. And so l- let me ask you this then, because on the other side of things, let's say that you're a newer company, you know, for someone such as yourself, Luann, that's built this incredible brand and you have that capability to maybe move on to the next, you know, if you're a smaller company, um, you know, outside of that and you really need this job or you're trying to find leads, you know, throughout as you were building your company, what are things that you did to start building that brand, you know? supporting local organizations or knocking on doors. I mean, what are some things you did to start building that, that Rolodex, if you will? Well, you have to understand when we built our company, it was the early eighties. So, you know, methods were very, very different. different than yes. Today. There was no social. There was, <laughs> so yeah. we literally did it by doing door knockers. You know, literally I've told the story many times I'm, I'm a runner and you know, what I would do is I would get up every single morning and I would take a pile of a hundred or 150 door knockers and I would do my three or my four mile run and run up and down and put them on everybody's front door, go back home, take a shower, show up at the phone, at the office, at the phone and wait for it to ring. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. Are they coming? Are they calling? Do you know what I'm going to get a sales appointment today? Um, you know, and, and, and we had li- like literally little intentional things. Even if I was on a sales appointment, there I am in my, you know, my nice outfit and everything else. When I came out of that one customer's home, I went next door and I at least put a door knocker on the door next to it on either side. Our installers did the same thing. If you were installing at somebody's house, take five minutes, walk the street. And, you know, that's the old school way. The other thing is, is, you know, how I built the entire, uh, the uh, designer business, I mean to say, is I pulled out the yellow pages and I literally called cold called interior designers hi my name is luann i'm from window works we do custom window treatments and awnings and i wondered if you needed a valuable team member that you could rely on to execute the window treatments for your projects i'd love to come in and talk to you about how me maybe be that for you any chance i could get a meeting i mean and the thing is for me as a salesperson I'm very, 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 very acutely aware of the rule of 25. I got to make 25 attempts before I get a yes. So if I'm going through mm-hmm. the Rolodex and I'm going through the, the telephone and I'm on my 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 15th, 18th, no, I'm not getting dejected. I'm like, I'm getting closer to my yes. I'm almost at my <laughs> yes. I'm almost at my yes. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a game. And so now it's different. Now you build an Instagram page. Now you do stories and you tell people about your process. You know, there's different ways you go to, you know, we say in our show, we got to go to the places that you guys are hanging out. The builders are hanging out, right? Mm-hmm. So that we can make, make relationships with you. And hopefully when you get a project, you'll refer one of our designers to it. Right. Absolutely. So it's, 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 it's relationships. It's working hard. It's pounding the pavement. There's no easy, straight way to build a business. If there was, so many wouldn't go out of business every year. And why wouldn't almost every person be self-employed if they could run their own ship? It's not easy, though. It's a no joke thing to do. (laughs) Well, and I think that's the hard part. You know, you alluded 
to this as, as marketing change as social media has come into the forefront you know people kind of look from afar and think it's easy or there's not a lot of work behind it but even you spoke about it, even if you're building a platform and a following pounding the payment relationships hard work is the essence of all of it you still at the end of the day even if you're posting pretty pictures you still have to have the connections you still have to have the relationships to build that brand right and 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 one thing that you talked about that um you know, I wish I had known is, is that rule of 25 where only one's going to respond because when I first started my firm, you know, I was doing the same thing because it was still before social media had really come into play. And so as I'm reaching out, you know, and these architects and some of these designers that I'm trying to network with aren't responding. But when social media came in, I found a different avenue where I could connect with them on LinkedIn or I connect with them on Instagram. And now it, it's not so much a cold sales call, but now I'm putting my content and I'm supporting them when they're posting i'm commenting and supporting and engaging and so then when i'm seeing that networking event which we're attending you know that relationship continues to build and build and build to where it's like hey we need to do a project together right exactly um, yeah and, and so how have you seen just social media kind of catapult or change your business over you know the last 10 years well, it's funny because um, it certainly, obviously, has benefited the podcast and and all of the revenue streams that I have through the podcast with the writing the books and the business coaching and the live events and the things that I do there. So, you know, this is, is to, to, it's exactly as you just said, Brad, you know, you show up in social, you put your stuff out there, you, you reveal who you are, you come as you are, you don't pretend to be something you're not. And then when the opportunity then is there to meet in real life, as long as it all lines up, you're just continuing a conversation that yep. you've already started. But you have to start by showing up in the social as yourself. Because if you are presenting yourself a certain way in social, and then you have the opportunity to meet at a live event, and there's a disconnect, there's it doesn't line up, it's you, you it just there's a fall you, off. Yes, <laughs> right. And so, um, whatever your real true self is, like some people are more reserved, some people are a little, you know, crazy pants like me, and other people um, are, you know, open book and share what they had for lunch and what they're doing with their kids, and other people are, you know, it's all buttoned up. It's like it's. I feel like it's whoever you are, be you. Then when you have the next step, it's like, oh, that really is you. And I'm automatically one more step inclined to continue that relationship with you. And really, because it, we're not going to start with, hey, want to do a job with me, right? <laughs> like It's not going to start there, right? right? So we've got to do that getting to know, getting to know, getting to know. And, you know, really, how many times have you met somebody that you really like, that you really get along with and you respect them and you respect their firm and their company, but maybe the trade or skill that they provide, you have somebody that you've been loyally working with for many, many years. So it's not, you know, like I have designers will say to me or business people will say to me, yeah, but I go and I have good relationships, but I'm not getting any work. And I said, but you got to remember, you know, you're coming in the middle of the game. Like I, like the designers that use window works for window treatments, if they just met a new window treatment person that they thought was really swell, I mean, do, what would I think if they just jump ship, right? Oh, well, right. they're really nice. I met them at five networking events. Well, yeah. that's <laughs> awesome. I've been busting my butt for you for 20 years. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I'm yep. nice at networking events too. Like, what are we talking <laughs> about here? Right? So you don't know why somebody doesn't call. You can't worry about it. You just have to keep showing up, being you, giving, sharing, you know, give somebody leads, give somebody projects. If they give them back to you, great. If they don't, don't worry about it. I've had designers say to me, honest to God, this is a story. I had a designer say to me, I met her years ago. It's got, got to be at least, let me think about how old my daughter is. It's got to be at least 16, 18 years ago. And I was on a trade show committee with her for ASID. And and there was 20 of us on the committee, but we we hit it off and we we were we got along well. And over the 2 years we were on the committee, I've got a lot of business from the other designers on the committee, but not this particular designer. Never asked her about it, never said one word. We're very good, you know, good friends. Over the years we see each other at different meetings, at different gatherings, this and that and the other thing. And literally 3 years ago, so after knowing her, say 12 to 15 years, the phone rings at Windowworks and she says to my administrator, 
hi, it's so-and-so. And um, she said, I know Luann for many years through ASID. And she said, and I have a window treatment project that I'd like to have you guys come and measure. And the admin's like, oh, that's great, blah, blah, blah. And as they're making the appointment, the designer says, I have used the same window treatment guy for 40 years and he retired, so now I can finally work with Luann. <laughs> you see, you go, so right? I yeah. didn't like, you know, count tabs for 15 years. Why don't you call me? You know, you don't know what goes on in somebody's business. Just give freely. It all comes back in the end. Well, I think what, again, going back to the constant theme here is bring value, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's social media. You need to be social, of course, you know, and engaging. And then you, when you meet at events and conferences or networking things to, you know, continue, hopefully that personality transcends into the real life, right? From what you've portrayed. But more than anything, what I found is, is your comment about the, the leads, the reciprocity, the value, you, you know, one thing I've seen from our side, a contractor side is I have, we have a company policy that I will not do a custom home or a project unless my client hires an interior designer. <gasps> it, it just will not do it. And, 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 and there's a lot of reasons to that really understand or believe in our designers and the work they put in and the time and the talent, right? There's a lot more to it than the lay person really understands. And so that's created a culture internally where I let my team know, hey, we're not going to be that contractor that's running our designer off the job, right? This is, we're going to uh, white glove, red carpet service to our designers because they're going to make our projects look good, which helps our marketing and helps our relationships mm -hmm. and that reciprocity. And so that's enabled us where when I said, when the client comes to me and says, Hey, Brad, we want you to build our home. Okay. Well, who's your designer? We don't have one. Okay. Well, if you want to hire me, then here's option A, B and C. Right. And so I can bring in some designers who then, you know, we've built that relationship and that reciprocity, you know, in the future. That's amazing. Now you know you have to come on my show and talk about that whole philosophy. <laughs> I will. <laughs> oh, I will for sure. I, That's you know, awesome. I, I'm a huge believer. I, I've seen over the years, and it's and, and I almost feel like for our, our brand, it's really exciting because it, it, it bleeds down. And, and the one thing I do love is the designers come back and they send a message like, Brad, we've just loved working with your coordinators with Sue and McCall, and we've loved working with your field staff. Like, they're just so kind because – Really, if, if you have a great relationship between architect, builder, designer, and of course your suppliers in there, you can almost handle everything that comes up in the project without getting the client involved, which makes it overall better experience throughout the whole project. Wow. That is such, you know, look, we know that this to be true. I just had an episode recently with Denise Winokur, who is a design build firm in uh, outside of New York City. And she went on the same thing. She said, when you have designer, architect, builder all on the same page and running as a team, the, the client benefits so much from that. And each of the uh, the people, of each of you involved benefits so much of it. But um, to hear you as the builder say that you won't even take a project for a client unless they hire a designer just really, really does show how much that you value and appreciate what a designer brings to the table. And that's just amazing, Brad. That's awesome. Well, Luann, I will say that I, I know enough of how difficult it is. And when, whenever they come to me and say that, I know that workload that's going to be created. And to be honest, I'll say either you hire a designer or my fee goes up 100000 because now I'm going to have to do it. And I, you know, <laughs> so I love just, it. Yeah, well, because just, you you know what, because you know it is, right? Like you just said, like when you have the architect, builder, and the designer, how, like you just said it, how many things can you take care of without even getting the homeowner involved? But if you don't have that designer, then that means you as the builder have to go to the homeowner every time, and then they don't answer the email, and 10 days later, you're still chasing them, and now your project is held up, and this trade can't do that, right? I mean, what a, what a headache. It, it is a headache, and even more so, when you're working with talented designers that are doing detailed scope and drawings and elevations or CAD or chief architect. And it doesn't matter their skill set, but at some level they're providing content. Not only does it help us to build more efficiently and quicker and refine our schedule, but we can really vet our subs and make sure that, hey, the tile needs to be at eight feet tall. The shower head needs to be at seven feet. Here's the valve location, right? So it's so much more targeted and it saves our client money. It saves us money. And it just creates this synergy uh, so I'm, I'm a big believer. And I think, you know, you alluded to that, that as you network and you explain that company value, I, 
you, you know, I've seen how that value has benefited our business just in the designer networking world. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. I, they're going to love you on my show. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Well, let me ask you one thing because I know we're getting close to closing, but I, I did want to talk about customer service a little bit as we close, Luann. Um, you, you know, so what what would you recommend for someone? How do you take ownership of mistakes when mistakes happen? You know, you just do it, right? I mean, like Nike says, you just do it. There's, you know, the thing is, here's here's the it in a nutshell. Every, I, I whenever I have any business owner that I'm either just having a casual conversation with or in a coaching relationship with, when they are pushing back on taking ownership of a mistake, I literally just say to them, think of the last time that you had a poor customer service experience. Find me one, think of one. And was there a moment when you knew that that person providing that service, you knew that they knew that they were wrong. You knew that they knew that they had made a mistake. You could tell that they knew. And I said, what happens to the whole relationship at that point? See, because before that, you were trying to make them understand what you were unhappy about. Before that, you were trying to get them to change something or revise something or whatever. But the second you understood that they actually knew they were at fault, but still tried to get you to do something else or they wouldn't take ownership of it. Isn't there this other layer of, I'm going to use the word disgust when in that relationship. See, because a minute ago I was just upset because I didn't think you were clear on what I wanted. But now, as soon as I get that, I, that you were clear and you're trying to convince me of something that's not now I'm done. Now I'm like, you know what? I can't even trust you anymore. And so the thing is, you may or may not know when your customer has that idea. You may not know. So don't even wait for them. Just say, this is my mistake. I made this mistake. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm telling you about it. And I'm, and here's the other thing. You've got to come with a solution, right? Yeah. I made this mistake and here's my solution because it's, you know what it is? It's like kids. If you have kids and, you know, they're seven, eight years old and you walk in and, you know, the, the glass is broken. I didn't do it. Really? You didn't do it? <laughs> like, who did it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who did that? Right. And it's like, it's that blown up. I, I have, I've had employees over the years that will look right at me and tell me something. And I'm thinking to myself, you're lying right through your teeth. You're lying right through your teeth. And the thing about it is, it's usually on something so silly. But what happens is, is whether I call you out on it or not, my brain just went, hmm, now I know you're likely to lie to me. That's not good. Now it's mm. the beginning of the end, okay? It's the beginning of the end. And so we just have to, people want to be heard. 99% of the time when there is a mistake made, if you acknowledge it, you have a solution for it, you empathize with the customer or the client on how it affected them, that's like 99% of the solution. It's the, not me, I didn't this, no, it was the, you know, it was the plumber, it wasn't me, it was that, it, well, you didn't call me back and you didn't this. It's really like, really? I, all this is on me, Mr. Trade Man, Mr. Vendor Man, Mr. Builder, Mr. Designer, come on, right? But when you come and say, this is what I could have done differently. It's my, I apologize. And this is how I'm going to do it differently the next time. And I understand that it caused you distress and that is not what I wanted. And this is how I'm going to sol solve this. You know, usually by then the customer's like, it's okay. It's fine. It wasn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's good. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny because when you think about it the other way, so let's say it's, if it's for myself and I'm going to a subcontractor that made a mistake and you know, you're kind of heated and you have this you know, this agenda, if you will. And then the minute they say, Hey, I made a mistake. This is my fault. It's almost like your balloons deflated, right? That's like, it. yeah, you just, you take a step back and you're like, okay, well, let's figure out how to solve it. And, and it, it's weird that on, on the flip side in front of the customer, sometimes whether it's our pride or it's, you know, our desire to have this brand, we don't make mistakes, but we're still people. But by doing that, it just kind of deflates the whole, you, you know, the, the tension that's in the room. Well, the thing is, you know, going back to Judith Neary, humans are involved. You know, if you say to your client up front, this is, you know, in your case, this is a 15, 18, two-year relationship. We're going to build you a house. 
Like there's nothing there now. Like there's nothing. It's a piece of land. When we're done, there's gonna be a house there. <laughs> like, do you yeah. know how many details <laughs> go into that? Yep. Right? Like that's what you say. And look, there are going to be mistakes. It's it's I've done this enough times to know that whether it's me, it's my team, it's a sub, you know, it might be you. You might make a mistake. But the thing is, it's our company has a culture of solving mistakes with respect. That's how I'm going to come to any kind of problem that we have here. So please be prepared for any one of us to make a mistake, but I'm always going to come to it with respect and a solution. Like I say to my employees at work at window works, when they make a mistake and they're upset with themselves or they're feeling bad about it. I'm like, look, you don't want to mistake, make any mistakes, stay home in bed. That's the only way you can be sure you're not going to make a mistake today. The rest of us, we're putting our stuff on the line. We're bringing our A game. We're doing our best. We recognize that we're going to mess up, but we're going to literally turn around, own it, pick it up, solve it, and move on. That's it. That's all you can do. Luann, I, I can't think of any better closing statement you know, to end this <laughs> podcast since we solve mistakes with respect, right? I mean, right. that's so on point. I think that's just such sound advice for anybody. And again, it all goes back. To earlier in the conversation, you talked about set expectations that, hey, that we've been through this before. We know it's going to come up and be patient. We're going to solve it. And that's why you hired us, right? So let us work through that. But Luann, I, I can't thank you enough. I know you're busy. Thank you for making time. So how, for our listeners, as I alluded to, many of them already follow you and know about you and because you're highly recommended to come on. So, But for those that uh, have learned about you today, where could they find you? I guess the easiest place is LuannNigara.com. That's the website. From the website, of course, you can find the podcast, which is called A Well-Designed Business, which, of course, is on iTunes and Stitcher and all the places podcasts are. But at the website, you could learn about the live events that we have, that the books that I've got, um, the coaching um, that we do, and the courses that we do, and all of the stuff starts there, LuannNigara.com. Well, I will make sure that we get those all tagged as well in our posts through all our social media so they can find you really easily. And again, Luann, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Brad, I am so thrilled and grateful that you invited me on the show. I had such a great time. Thank you. Thanks. A big thanks to Luann for coming on today on the AFT Construction Podcast and sharing some great insight and knowledge. We're going to be applying many of these um, ideas in our company here at AFT. So thank you, Luann. And next week, we can't wait to bring on Andrew Patterson with Patterson Custom Homes. They are a high-end custom builder in Newport Beach, California. And for those of you that have followed them on Instagram, you've seen the incredible work that they're doing. Uh, Award-winning, it's breathtaking, some of these projects, and definitely at the forefront of design. So Andrew's going to come on and share some great insight with our listeners. So stay tuned for next week.